It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans? Happy Memorial Day, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As always, you can get the podcast on the new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. As always, when you get in your car, remember to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Bengals, and Joe and I will keep you company on your commute. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Instead of having that FOMO and that envy of your friend going on their trip to... I don't know, Mexico, Thailand, Cancun. Cancun. Where do people go in the Midwest? I, I'm do, unfamiliar. Do they still go to Cancun for uh, spring break? Remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. I went to Cancun not too long ago. Anyway, go to Hotels.com and get rewarded for your travel. Today, we are going to do tier lists because that's what NFL Twitter is doing today, is tier lists, and, and we're going to do all the positions on the Bengals. We'll get into that in just a second. Let's talk Gerald McCoy for a second. It's been a holiday weekend, so all the NFL teams aren't doing anything. There's no news coming out anywhere in football. If you Google it on Twitter, you'll see one guy with 30 followers who says the Bengals are Gerald McCoy's first choice. You'll see another guy with 50 followers, maybe, that says Gerald McCoy is on a flight to Cleveland from Detroit, neither of which makes sense because we know for a fact that he has a meeting scheduled with Baltimore for tomorrow when everyone goes back to work. That being said, also tomorrow is the resume, resumption, resumption of OTA. Continuation. Sure. OTAs resume. And tomorrow's practice is open to reporters. So at least in Cincinnati, we'll have some news from beat writers. And then around the league with Gerald McCoy visiting Baltimore, we'll probably get more news there. We'll have some more to talk about. Would you rather him go to Baltimore or Cleveland, Gerald McCoy? I'm sick of Cleveland fans. I mean, and it's nothing personal. It's just that you guys are acting like your Super Bowl favorites, and you were literally 8-8 and last year. And I get that you have a quarterback now, and you can be excited. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You had an exciting offseason, but, like, win a game first. I I don't know. So uh, Baltimore, because their fans are less annoying to me. Beat a good team first, I would say, because I think Baker and the Browns were one in four against playoff teams uh, in the games he started last year. So there's, they still have a hurdle to cross, but we've both gone over their roster. It's pretty good. And uh, I I think going to Cleveland would be very scary for the Bengals for their, to face that defensive line, right? I mean, that we already like that line as is. You add Gerald McCoy to it and things get rough, even rougher really quickly. But if you go to the Ravens, not really anyone on the Ravens side that scares me as a pass rusher. And they've they've signed some guys late now. But still, you know, there's not a premier guy there. So if McCoy goes there and, and still, I, I think with one pass rusher, we've talked about this before, doesn't really, it's not usually a problem for teams. So um, I think going to the Ravens would be where we'd be uh, fearful of them less. Yeah. And I don't want to fear him. I want him to just go play in Cincinnati and then that's it. Make it easy. Right. A few other notes. Actually, one other note we'll talk about is we've been shouting out the John Sheeran series over at CincyJungle.com, the emulating McVeigh series he's been working on. It dropped its last piece. Part three out of three went, went up today, and it's comparing Andy Dalton to Jared Goff and how they will function in a Sean McVeigh-like Zach Taylor offense. And it's fantastic. John Sharon does great work. Always does. 
Also, I think maybe Matt Minich looks like he's getting close to the end of his Bengal rookie film review series. Uh, Jordan Brown went up today as well. He was a seventh round pick, so maybe he's going out of order. It looks like yesterday was Michael Jordan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So tomorrow we'll have news from OTAs. We will have uh, Gerald McCoy updates, we hope. Hopefully find out that he's coming to Cincinnati for a visit, but uh, I think that that was always sort of a long shot, but we'll keep our hopes up for another 24 hours. Why not? That's the least we can do. Yeah, and and it would be so exciting if it happened. It would be right. more exciting than Warren Sapp when he almost signed here. Yeah, that's right. We went over that story last time, so if you missed it, go back one episode. That's right. So let's talk about how we're going to do tier lists. We're going to do position groups. So we're not going to go through all the quarterbacks in the NFL and rank them by, you know, where they are between milk steak all the way up to jelly beans or whatever. I don't know what that means. Me neither. I think it's an always sunny reference, but I might have gotten it wrong. Uh, We're going to do, we have five tiers. We have elite, we have good, we have average, we have below average, and we have poor. And so elite are your guys that are your units that have all pro contention players that are going to be on the all pro tier, regular yeah. pro bowlers. If, it, if you're looking for a player example of this, that's Geno Atkins, AJ Green on the Bengals. The next tier of good are guys that are going to be pushing for pro bowls, occasional pro bowlers. This is going to be uh, your Tyler boys, maybe your Jesse Bates is right now. Maybe Joe Mixon because he hasn't hasn't, right. He hasn't gone yet, but I think he. We'll talk about that, obviously. Joe Mixon wasn't a Pro Bowler last year. I mean, you got to understand not everyone's going to vote for him. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, And then average is what it sounds like. Average, you're not likely to ever go to a Pro Bowl if you're in this tier as an individual player, but you're not actively hurting the team. So a player in this category might be uh, Clint Bowling the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, maybe Sean Williams. Sean Williams right. is somewhere in that range from average to good. Then yep. we got we're gonna the, we're gonna grade the positions though, right? Right. So I'm just giving I'm just giving individual player examples for what the tiers represent because gotcha. we are doing right. position groups. Which is gonna make it different, and I'm excited to do different. Right. And then there's below average, which is probably like the linebackers. <laughs> but I think the linebackers are poor. I would say below average would be like Cordy Glenn last year, maybe, maybe not, maybe that, maybe he was average. I don't know. And then oh, okay, and then we'll get there. And then poor would be like Billy Price's rookie year, uh, sure. Russell Bodine's worst year, Bobby Cedric Hart right Boy, tackle. Yeah, yeah. we got enough examples. The ones we've complained about. Yeah. So. Shall we start it on the quarterback? Because this is where yeah. this whole tier list thing has started. People are doing tier lists of Pop-Tarts today. Let's, uh, let's if say you eat that the... many Pop-Tarts to rank them, rethink your life. Eat less processed sugar. Quarterbacks. Andy Dalton, Ryan Finley, Jeff Driscoll, Jake Dolagala. I would say that this is an average group. What would you say, Joe? I would say it's an average group. Um, I would say, if anything... Looking at the backups and not feeling very good about it, it may slide to the back of the average group and put them in the, well, like most teams, if your quarterback's going to fall, uh, you're going to have some rough games and maybe not win very many. But I would say this is even more so the case with the Bengals. If Ryan Finley being a rookie is the backup, it's a complete unknown on how he would play if he was forced to play as a rookie. But here's the counter argument, which is if Andy Dalton is a system quarterback and they just need someone to go out and execute a system, can Ryan Finley step in and do that? That is kind of a bit of a referendum on Andy Dalton's skill level because we've seen quarterbacks come in in the past couple of years and until Jeff Driscoll and there was a pretty noticeable fall off, AJ McCarron put up numbers in the Bengals oh, yeah. offense. And, and that's that, always... that was Hugh Jackson, but you know, it's right. a similar principle where system. They've always had decent backups, and is that because the system works and the backups have been able to come in, like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Bruce Gradkowski or Jason Campbell or or uh, John Kitna, whoever whoever it may be, that they're always able to come in and, and play to a decent level. Uh, and even Driscoll had moments. I think it, they, as an offense, struggled at that point of the year, and it was hard to uh, really see what he could do at all. Uh, but obviously, it wasn't good enough for this team going forward as they drafted Ryan Finley with a premium pick. I. 
premium fourth round. Not very premium. I should take that back. But they did trade up to the second pick in the fourth round to get him. Nearly premium. The second pick in the fourth round is... The value they gave up was premium because it basically equates to a third round pick. Anyway, let's couch this in the AFC North and say, where are other teams? So I think we can start with Baltimore, where I would say Baltimore is at best in the average average group. At best average, I would say they're probably below average, yes. Yeah, I think they are right now. Lamar Jackson didn't know that Baltimore was putting in a new offense, so that was a fun one to read. There's been a lot of weird things going on right there with that. So it's something something to pay attention to. But yeah, in the in the division, uh, the Bengals have the third best quarterback situation, I believe. But it could easily be number one, in my opinion, in terms of production and play at the end of the year. If this is a perfect marriage between Dalton and Zach Taylor. Yeah. So let's go on. What's the next group you want to do? Well, um, running back. We should just go in order. Okay. And I'm thinking Madden depth chart type order. So if you've got that memorized from your childhood. So it goes uh, halfback, fullback, wide receiver, tight end, tackle. Well, then they do tackle left to right, but we'll just do it as as a group. Sounds good to me. So halfbacks. Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, Travion Williams, Rodney Anderson, Quinton Flowers, and a couple other guys back there. Darren Hall, Jordan Ellis. Really considering the top three. In this yeah. and and the off chance of Rodney Anderson gets healthy, he could be inactive. I was thinking this earlier because someone said, "What are they going to do? Keep all four? And I thought, "Yeah, of course they are." I mean, why wouldn't you if Anderson is that good? And and if he's not healthy, then you you could put him on the pup list and only keep three for the first six weeks. If he is somewhat healthy but not enough to actually play, well, you only activate three and you go go in that route. So I think if anything, they keep four. So I'm counting Anderson enough. I think you have to. I think there's such high upside with Anderson, too, that you should want to. Well, that's so, why they go almost back-to-back running back in the sixth round, right? Because right, because Rodney they feel Anderson, he's that good. sitting there, it's hard to say no. So I would say that this group is in the second tier and might get into the first tier. I was going to say, I if you want to you know, make a statement, I would say they're elite. Because I do think Joe Mixon in this offense, I fully expect him to be in the all pro conversation it, no doubt pro bowl. I think if he, I think this is a perfect marriage. Like I, I, I think it is for the quarterback too, right? I think it is for a few positions, but I, most of all, I think Joe Mixon in this offense is the perfect marriage and the guy that benefits the absolute most from a solo standpoint. Uh, as long as the offensive line is semi-competent, he should have a fantastic year. And it should be a little bit better. The question is, will he be on the field enough to rack up the raw production that people will be looking for for that elite all-pro type back, the Todd Gurley level of production, which we've seen what happened to Todd Gurley, or you could say Le'Veon Bell. Or in a recent right. poll that was just fans voting, I think some people for somehow voted more for James Conner then Joe Mixon. was really good last year, though. Connor had good numbers. Right. I would say that Joe Mixon was a far superior individual running back. Uh, I, I wouldn't argue against that. I would just say Connor, um, I think people... It's a popularity contest. Like I, I don't you really guys, care what the argument that is. is. That's where I was going to lead it to. Is I Just for the same reason I said why Mixon probably didn't make the Pro Bowl, because there's probably not getting all the votes... Connor beat cancer and then replaced Le'Veon Bell was holding out. I mean, that's going to win a lot of people over. Great story, but I'm here for the football when you're talking about who's a better player. I mean, that's anyway, you, you think elite though. So, so who are the elite units in the NFL Are the jets headed by Le'Veon Bell in elite group? I don't know who else is in that backfield. Anymore. Sure. They could be uh, because Bell could be Le'Veon Bell. And if he is, then yeah, they're, they're in that elite category. Okay, what about is is Dallas? So is it just like all of the elite running backs? All New the York, guys that are like all pro, yeah. If you got an all pro starter with a solid backup, two good backup, you could just be a solid guy. It could be the the Rams with Todd Gurley and who was their backup until they signed C.J. Anderson. You felt pretty good about that unit. Um, you know, if the if the lead guy is getting three hundred touches plus, then it really doesn't matter who the backup is as long as he's spelling them and, and they're doing it correctly. So I feel good about saying maybe too many teams because I'm taking the Saints with Kamara. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the Carolina Panthers with Christian McCaffrey. And... Yeah, there's a lot. It's a good – we've had some really good running back classes over the last three years, and because of it now there's an oversaturation, but in a good way because the Bengals finally have two good backs at the very least. 
a lot of very good running backs in the NFL. And I think the reason that you can make an argument for the Bengals being in that top group instead of in the second tier, and I think they're probably second tier with a little bit to prove to get into that top tier, and they're not that far away in my opinion, is you, your argument would be that their backup, Giovanni Bernard, is one of the best backups in the league. I would say that, yeah. And because when you think of the, these other teams, right, and you say, um, you know, take take the Cowboys, for example, or, or even the, the Rams, and then even the Rams just drafted Daryl Henderson, right? We really like that pick. But the Cowboys, the backup to him, the back to, up to Zeke Elliott has always been kind of a mixture of, of Alfred Morris to, um, oh, I'm forgetting the guy's last name now, that's kind of the receiving back. But Darren not, McFadden was a backup in yeah, Dallas not too long right. ago. Not really great, right? Like they they're leaning on Zeke, and if Zeke goes down or or needs to take five plays off, they see the difference instantly. And so for, for the Bengals, I don't think we have that issue with Bernard stepping in. Yeah, and in fact, I think they still... want to create plays for Bernard. At least on third down, I think he'll definitely get in. But you better watch your tongue when you're talking about the Dallas backups now, as we're Cincinnati Bengals podcasters, because Mike Weber was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in the seventh round, and now Ohio State fans are going to get on your get on your yeah tony pollard as well in the fourth round yeah right so they definitely saw that as an area for improvement yeah the backups that uh, makes sense they could, safe they to could say use. running back for the Bengals is good with yes. a really good chance for them to be elite at the end of the year good plus and i think they don't have that that far to go to get to elite let's take our first break joe we'll get into the wide receivers after the break today's show is also brought to you by grip six belts we've talked about those a lot joe really really wants one for father's day so if any of you want to get joe a gift for being a great dad i have three kids so. he's got he's got three kids sometimes you can hear him on the show go to grip slash lock that's grip slash l-o-c-k-e for a couple of special bundles or sorry special offers on belts designed for comfort with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. We'll be right back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. We are ranking and putting tiers, labels, on Bengals position groups. We've done quarterback and running back so far. I think we're going to one of the strongest, if not the strongest, position on the offensive side of the ball for the Bengals. That's wide receiver. Jake, we've got a good depth chart here, obviously led by A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross. I think some people feel good about Alex Erickson. I saw someone recently say a potential breakout candidate for the Bengals. And then we're hoping for a resurgence or an emergence, I guess, of either Josh Malone or Auden Tate and maybe eventually, finally, Cody Core. And this is one of the places that this whole idea started. In addition to tier list being a thing on Twitter, Brent, Brent Sobolewski on Bleacher Report is ranking position groups right now. And I, I think we have some questions yeah, about some of, the these, least. Some, of these, some of these listings, particularly a wide receiver where Brent has the Bengals at 14th. And this includes tight ends as well. And if Tyler Eifert had never been injured in his life, I think this would look very different. Of course. But Tyler, because then he would be like the third best tight end in the league or second best maybe or anyway. But I kind of get the feeling he wasn't factoring in those types of randomnesses because he's got the Chiefs and um, Tyreek Hill number two, right? And... Well, I, th- I think he's – if that's the case, then he's forgotten how good Tyler Eifert is, which – it's hard to blame him because he's hardly played since 2015. But even if you're forgetting it, you kind of have to factor Eifert because he's such a rare case of never being healthy now that even if you were like, okay, I don't know if Terry Kill is going to be suspended, so I'm going to include him in the Chiefs roster right now. It's almost like the opposite effect with Eifert. It's like, I'm going to wait till he's healthy before I even include him in this yeah. depth chart. Yeah. It's just you look at some of the teams ahead of the Bengals and you get the feeling that there's not a whole lot of respect for the tight end group. 
Yep. Maybe, maybe, maybe nobody's buying in on Tyler Boyd, or maybe I don't know. Maybe he's not sure that Tyler Boyd missed a couple games last year. But the two teams immediately ahead are are the Pittsburgh Steelers, where there's really only Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, and Vance and, McDonald because of tight sure, ends. Sure, you can argue for Vance McDonald, but I would take the Bengals tight ends over the Pittsburgh tight end group and and without thinking about it. And then at, at 12 is the Oakland Raiders with Antonio Brown, who given Antonio Brown is an excellent player, mm. but that's pretty much it out there too. Tyrell Williams is their number two. I'm not interested. Darren Waller is their t- first tight end. Like, okay. None of these guys are really moving the needle for me, so it's there, there's some weirdness. But let, let's talk about tiers. So AJ Green, obviously elite player. Although if He's you not- ask some of the people around the NFL, they wouldn't say that. Right. I think to me, obviously elite player. I think there's a chance he's not a top five receiver as of right now. And that's mostly because he's been injured. And because of it, I think uh, we for, it's hard to compile those numbers and continue to make highlight plays when you're not on the field. But uh, the, the weird part is he's never been an all-pro receiver. Yeah, and and, so, well, his probably his best year was cut short by injury. His two best. I mean, he had yeah. how many, six touchdowns, I think, when – Seven or is it seven? Either way, he had a lot of touchdowns in the first five games of last year. Yeah. He had three by week two, one in week one. So he had um, four touchdowns in the first two weeks last year. He could really compile some numbers. And then the other one was 2016, right? I thought yeah, it was 15. Had to be. No, Did he was he there for 15. 15? 15th no, year they went. that got hurt, right? Yeah. Um, so, yes. So can we put them in elite if he's never really, by our definition, been an all-pro receiver? I mean, I think he's an elite receiver and has been an elite receiver. It's just such a strong, oversaturated group. I use that term for running back, but I think receiver was like that for the last eight years or so. It it is, but if you're going to tell me that... So the better receivers than A.J. Green, you could argue in the NFL, are Odell Beckham. I think that there's an argument for Julio, although I I think that that is splitting hairs more than most people make it out to be, and I think it's DeAndre Hopkins. And not Antonio Brown? I don't know. Hard to say at this point. He, he, I mean... Because he's a basket case? Yeah, who knows what they're going to get out of him in Oakland. And a new scheme, because that that doesn't always perfectly translate. I mean, I'm sure he'll still have production. I'm, I'm just not ready to say he's still better than A.J. Green, who I've always thought that's been very, very close. And and Antonio Brown's always had better numbers, but in terms of talent, I've always thought that's very close. Well, in terms of talent, I think Green can match with anyone over his That's exactly over the why I'm saying career. he's elite. And it's, uh, you know. He's always been capped for one reason or another, whether that's the offense they play in. I hate to say it, guys. You're gonna, some of you are going to kill me. The quarterback that's been throwing him the ball in certain seasons and certain games. And... Um, also his own injuries. So, yeah. you but know. when you get to the second level, Tyler Boyd is certainly in the good tier. Yeah, I, think, I would say based on his 2018. I'd and like him to stay healthy. Could get better. Also. Yes, he has had because injuries. It's, it is two years in a row now that yeah. he has at least missed some time. Um, that is the biggest concern with this group because we're looking at it. I obviously the, the that is the biggest question with Ross. Sure, there, sure there's some developmental things that we'd like to see and right now he's probably in the below average tier, but we've got a guy borderline elite, if not elite for talent. We've got a guy good and then we've got a guy below average but talent-wise, John Ross honestly is in the good if not could potentially I think he and Boyd could border on elite if everything falls right for them. And I don't think that's crazy. They spent premium picks on these guys for yeah. reasons. So Boyd is the biggest question mark, or sorry, Ross is the biggest question mark. If he goes from below average to poor, which is where he was last year, and gets to good, then this whole unit goes up to elite, right? Oh, yeah. And then you have lottery tickets, and I think the only lottery ticket left really is Josh Malone. I do, too. The rest I think he's got the upside. Yeah. He was young. He was fast. He's tall. Um Year three, if he puts it together, and we're only looking for a fifth, fourth receiver, really, because Alex Erickson's decent as a backup slot and a guy yeah. that can give you, you know, minutes and time in and, and an offense that's going to utilize a lot of slot guys. So uh, I think Erickson has good value still left in him. Yeah, Erickson doesn't hurt you out there. And he was their fastest player on the field last year, so there's that. That had to uh, be a kick return, right, or a punt return? 
I don't recall. We've talked about it a few times. Maybe we should look it up one of these days. Yeah, um, instead of just touting it. So the overall group, what's the verdict? I, I think they're probably good. I think they're I think they're in the top third of the NFL. I think that they're probably a top ten unit, but I, I don't think that they're necessarily a top five unit. They're on, on the, the back other, end of the top ten, right? Eight, yeah, nine, ten. Yeah, somewhere in there. On the other hand, there's a higher ceiling for them because I think their two through four have higher upside than a lot of the other teams. Okay. And that could be homerism because I think that's where it's really easy to think, oh, Rashard Higgins in Cleveland's never, you know, Antonio Callaway's, you know, he's a real lottery ticket. It's easy to think about those guys as unlikely to hit a ceiling. Whereas it's but right now think- they're better than the Bengals third and fourth, Higgins and yeah. Callaway. Yeah. But if Ross hits, then we like the, the Bengals better than the Browns. Yeah. Right. So because good. we like Boyd better than Landry. Um, yes. Right. Not and, not close. Yes. Right. And even if you want to side with Otto Beckham over Green, which that can be your thing, but uh, I think it's close enough to where the, if the other two positions hit, the other two guys hit, we feel better about that unit. Yes. Next. Tight end. Tight end, the most nebulous position group on the Cincinnati Bengals, led by the often injured Tyler Eifert, the tight end without a tight ends coach in college, CJ Uzama, the second right. over second round pick, Drew Sample, and a bunch of other guys, Mason Shrek, Ethan Carter, Jordan Franks. Yeah, it's a hard group to place. I like CJ Uzama. In fact, I thought I called him their most underrated player going into last year. And he had a decent year. Uh, but having said that, he is a backup and a career backup, and he should probably remain as a career backup. He is uh, good at what he does. He's good on special teams. He can move. He's got some functional athleticism, although he is a bit stiff and robotic at times. I think his hands are a bit robotic also. Having said that, he's a tough guy, hard to bring down, and a willing blocker, even if he's not um, as nuanced as you would like for a guy going into his fifth year. And I think he's got some athleticism to him, too. You mentioned that he can be stiff at times, but I think the the straight line, the long speed is there, which is still a useful trait in a tight end. And he's big. So I think there's a little bit of upside there as he refines his skills and continues to develop as an NFL player. That said, I I agree with you. He's never going to be, you know, I don't think he's going to be the next Rob Gronkowski or anything. Right. And that's okay if he's their number two. And really, we've looked at it. We've made the argument that let's look at Eifert as a bonus. Even let's look at him as a receiver. But we put him in this group in, in order to flesh it out. But uh, he well, is... but here's the thing. If Eifert's healthy, then this is immediately a top three group in the NFL. I think so. They top spent a four, premium pick. Maybe. They they gave good money to their number two guy. If Eifert's healthy, and, and I'm saying 13-plus games, yeah, right. I Eifer has never been covered in the NFL. He's no. made Andy Dalton so much better when he's played. He's made the Bengals offense so much better when he's played. He he was everything that you thought he could be when he came out of Notre Dame. And, and more. A lot of people haven't ranked as a top 12 guy that year in that draft class. He should have been. If he could have stayed healthy, he was been every bit of that. It, yeah, it's... Um, so by saying that, it's a big if, and we know that. So I'm trying to say he's healthy for 10 games, and that's optimistic. We, we might say eight, half of those games. We might say he only plays 500 snaps. That might be a better way to put it and say he's just a, uh, a situational player throughout the entire year, and I, I would take that. Uh, and if that's the case, I feel like it wants to be good, but I'm going to have to say this is just an average tight end group because Eifert is such a wild card. It, this can be a huge swing. If Eifert doesn't play at all, or plays four games like he has a few times, this is a below-average group. Yes, I agree. I, I think that it's an average group because Eifert's health is a question, and Drew Sample is a bit of a wild card as well. Yeah. You know, if, if Drew Sample comes out and shocks everybody and he's Rob Gronkowski somehow, then, well, then we're all we shocked. Should, we're going to change this real quick then. Yeah. <laughs> we own the ability to do that. There, there's a big range on it, though, right? Tyler Eifert is. is the biggest biggest wild card in the group. Biggest I think wild this could be... Because, no, like you said, not only is Tyler Eifert uncoverable when he's healthy, but the Bengals' offense has never been stopped when Tyler Eifert's healthy. Never. And looking at this, I could see a plausible scenario where this where we say this is an elite group. 
at the end of the year. I can see a plausible scenario where we say this is a poor group, and that's because Eifert yeah. was was injured and Sample was not worth a second-round pick, right? And we go, they're not getting anything but Uzama out there, and he's just an okay player. We like him, but he's just okay. And we say they're getting nothing out of tight end right now. And then the other side is Eifert's healthy, Sample's everything that A.J. Green thinks right. is going to be in practice. A great blocker at the very least, I would take. And they're and in the like, league. I don't know. Oh, Morris Boeringer is a, a receiver now. I was going to say Morris Boeringer. But, like, Mason Shrek, suddenly serviceable. He was a good prospect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Let's go to, uh, what are we going to do, offensive line? Or do we want to do tackle and then interior? I think in the interest of time, let's do offensive line. Got it. Offensive line. Projected starters of Jonah Williams at left tackle, Cordy Gunn at left guard, Billy Price at center, John Miller at right guard, and Bobby Hart at right tackle. Yeah, you're almost getting the average there, huh? Right, I was going to say, is there anyone with the ability to be elite in 2019? I would say no. No, yes, I agree. There, there, okay. there are probably like three of those guys who I think could be good. Yeah. One of those guys who I think is going to be average, and one of them that like their best case is, is below average. Below average, right, I would agree. And uh, the one being good could be is a rookie. Right, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking the rookie and Cordy Glenn and Billy Price. If Billy Price, Price hits did. big time, those are the three that could be good. They'd have to all hit. And all, they have to all have great years. And one's a rookie. One switching to a new position for the first time in ten years, and one has to completely flip the script of what he showed last year and but stay healthy. Centers in year two, there can be a jump. They there usually if, do if jump. he's healthy. So. I mean, you see, you see other teams hiding their centers, playing them at guard their rookie year, yep. which we wonder why the Bengals didn't do that. But uh, Detroit's moving Frank Ragnow to center this year. Great. I can't wait to see it. Um, so I'm going to mark down. We're hoping three of them are good. John Miller is average, and we're hoping Bobby Hart is below average, right? Yeah, but I think overall you would have to say that this group is in the average to below average territory because yep. – yeah, again, there's a range. And as we're going through this exercise, I'm realizing more and more that you can't, it's hard to put these guys in tier list because when you really dig into it, there's such a big range of outcomes that you could have. There's a range where Most. everybody on this Bengals offensive line is below average. There's a range yep. where they're all average plus. That was yep. pretty unlikely because Bobby Hardy does, but that's kind of beside the point. I say the most likely scenario is you have two average guys, two below average guys, and one poor. Which puts you average minus or below yep. average plus. Yeah, I would say it's probably below average. Yeah, in that range. Yeah. Which is fine. And if we expect a scheme that's going to hide this O-line a little bit, and that doesn't mean it's going to sink their season. It just means they have to do some things differently. You know what? I could pretty easily see four average and one below average here too. Fine. I could too. Like without without trying too hard. The truth was last year they were all – Two average and everyone else was below average, would you say? To poor? Wait, what do you mean? I'm thinking of 2018. Just to get an idea of where to rank these. Was Cordy Glenn average? Was Clint Bowling average? Was Cordy Glenn below average and Clint Bowling was average? I think they were probably slightly below average, but pretty Both close. Were. Pretty close to average, I think. And you would say Billy Price, Alex Redman, and Bobby Hart were poor. Poor, yeah. yeah. It was a would... poor group last year. Overall, yeah. and in his show, they're one of the worst in the league. Yeah. All right, let's do one defensive position group and let you talk about a sponsor. Great. So let's say edges first. Okay. So Carlos Dunlap, in... Sam Hubbard, exactly. Jordan yeah. Willis, uh, Carl Lawson, Kerry K- Wynn, Carl Lawson, Andrew Brown is listed as edge on the depth chart. I'm looking at. I think he's he's an I, I inside. Um, I think that unit is good. And I'm going to say this because I almost like, could they be elite? But I, I think there's no. not the elite guy on there. Even yeah. though I, I really think Carl Lawson is the chance to be an elite pass rusher out of all of them, he is not going to be an every down guy and a stud run stop, stopper. And because of it, it will always limit what we think of him as a um, as a, as a top-tier guy. So I, I think you're going to end up with two good, and that's Lawson and 
Dunlap, I know some people are really high on Hubbard. I'm talking about fans. I don't know if that's Ohio State thing. He was okay last year as a rookie. He wasn't good as a rookie. He was okay as a rookie. He was, he was an average NFL player as a rookie, which is a good rookie year for especially yep, a third-round pick. Right. That's the thing is there's always like that caveat of for a rookie, right? So because he beat up Colton Miller, which was great, but that really helped out his stats. So when you when you go back and look at it, I go, oh, yeah, there was that Raiders game where he just destroyed Col- Colton Miller. Um so, yes, if he's an average player again, I think we're all happy because that could be your third guy. If Kerry Wynn is an average to below average guy, I think we're all right with that. And it, it, at the end, I think that could be a good group on the edge. Do they usually have five active guys on uh, at edge on game day or is it four? It's usually four, right? It depends on the team they're playing or the, if they activate four de- interior guys because uh, if it's a team that's a three they, wide they, receiver they type keep- team. They keep seven linemen. Yeah. So is Jordan Willis going to do anything this year? This is his last chance, right? That's the question. I even wonder if they should try and trade him if they're set on uh, Kerry Wynn being the guy that slides inside. Well, if they trade him, four. they only have four guys there and you're in camp. Like, there's there's nobody else on the roster. Yeah, it's going to be weird again. That means in we're going to be deep in the preseason, and it's going to be Kerry Wynn, Sam Hubbard, and Jordan Willis taking snaps out there. Yeah. They got to sign in the fourth else. quarter. They, and maybe, uh, yeah, they got to sign somebody else just just for training camp. I thought they had, had to do that a couple of years ago, and it was um, Will Clark and Marcus Hunt. And I thought, why are they still out there in the fourth quarter of preseason game four? And then it's because they weren't making the roster. <laughs> the Bengals have thirteen wide receivers on the roster. They have eight running backs on the roster and only five edge guys on the roster. That's weird. It is weird. So I think this group is probably average as it stands right now with the potential to get to good pretty easily if Carl Lawson is healthy and Sam Hubbard takes a second-year step. Yeah, I, I think you're more right than I am. I was being on the hopeful side of saying good because I do think Dunlap is one of the most underrated guys in the league. Um, and we, when he's playing well, I think he is a very good edge player. I, yeah, but you I need forget, the second guy. Yeah, I forget the injury to Lawson. If 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 we're coming off Lawson's rookie year, I felt so good about him going into 2018. We all did. We all felt great about the defensive line going into last year, and then it was poor on the was whole. It poor mm, on the whole, at least for the first half of the season. That's fine to say. Yeah, I think as a whole, they ended up being average. Yeah, I can buy it by the end of the year. They had, they had a ton of injuries, too. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Let's get some jokes in. We'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. So, Jake, I was cutting up a video of Joe Mixon's highlights, and man, that guy runs hard. And so can you with Blue Chew. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast, your daily home for Jake and Joe's expert Bengals analysis. 
Is that a good expert. pitch? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? You don't have an expert. Ah, shit. I was playing along with you there. Mm. You should have kept going. It's still going. Oh, it's going. <laughs> this, this is what happens sometimes. Joe, Joe's like, oh, you should. That's content. You should let it. And I let it go this time, just for you, Joe. I think everything should be recorded. It's just here's some of the things we talk about, and then at the end, I'm like, that's a good story, Jake. That's are we recording? And he's like, no. <laughs> Moral of the story is we're never recording when it's actually interesting. So next position group is defensive interior. So you got Gino, Andrew Billings, Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy, right. Ryan Glasgow, <laughs> Rennell Wren, Josh, we were just corrected on this name. Tupo. Tupo. Christian Ringo, Niall Scott at the back of the roster. That's right. No Adolphus Washington anymore. He was cut in the middle of the night at some point. That's right. So, obviously, Gino is a guy that has been in the elite of the league, but last year was yes. probably just good. That's fair. Uh, Andrew Billings was probably average. Ryan Glasgow might have been good, but we don't know. I would say that you can only really count on him for being average. Sure. Josh Tupo is probably below average, and Rennell Wren is probably below average to poor. Don't a lot forget to prove as a rookie. Christian Ringo. People keep telling me, don't forget Ringo, because he made some splash plays last so year. So what is that. he, below below average? I mean, he, he wasn't consistently good. Right. He's on his fourth NFL team for a reason, I think. I think, you know, they're drafting a D-tackle plus potentially signing a guy because Ringo is a camp body, and if he does anything, it's a bonus. So he's yeah. below average. Yeah. I think the four that are most likely to make the roster right now are Billings, Atkins, Glasgow, Wren. Yep. And one of them being inactive every week, more likely being Wren depending on, you know, the situation. You go against the Ravens, they're going to run it 69% of the time. You're going to activate all four defensive tackles. Yeah. So this group is probably, at this point, average. And again, I think it's pretty easy for them to get to good yeah. if Glasgow's healthy and good, if Billings is healthy and good. But Here's and, my... and, and, and if Gino gets back to the elite exactly. level, then, then that brings them up too. I'm also going to say it's just average. And because we talk about a lot, a lot about that other D-tackle and nickel packages. And I know we already did edges, but if that's Kerry Wynn, doesn't really inspire anything. I don't think defenses are scared of him at all coming in the inside. It's not going to take any pressure off of Geno Atkins. It keeps this unit from being good, and it, it's just an average unit. Would you say this is one of the more shallow position groups in the NFL? Yes. I would. I, I do think it's very top-heavy, though. I, if you go around and look, I mean, we did this when we went through each team to build a team to defend the earth. I think, uh, you know, obviously it's Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox, who we were more than happy to have, right, to go with Geno Atkins. But there were a bunch of guys on a lot of rosters who were like, yeah, they got a really good D-tackle. But then that's it. You got one guy, and I think that's why we see so many edges getting kicked inside. I just don't think depth is there around the league. Yeah, especially for guys that are full-time players. Like they're a Chicago maybe is is one of the really good ones. Actually, they're definitely one of the really good ones with yeah. Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. Yeah, Akeem uh, Hicks really good. Detroit had some guys that were really good, but they're all part time players. That is one way to do it. I think the I feel like the Patriots do that. When you look at them, they've got a run stuffing set, and then they've got a pass rushing set, and they know yeah. how to rotate them. Lawrence Guy is, is yeah. the, the run stuffer who was excellent last year for New England. He only played 519 snaps. So, like, the every snap kind of guys, the Aaron Donalds, Fletcher Coxes, Akeem Hicks, J, uh, Grady Jarrett, those guys are few and far between. Chris Jones in Kansas right. City. Right, Chris Jones. Geno Atkins, Kwan Short, Gerald McCoy was. They're, yeah. Kenny it's Clark. A, it's a 10-deep group along the league, but it's after that, that's it. You don't guys, they just don't make the impact. It's a rotational position after that. Yeah. I'm just looking to try to see how many of these groups I would actually call elite, and it's like Chicago, last year's L.A., and maybe still this year's L.A. just because Aaron Donald's that good. Pittsburgh, I think they have three guys. When you look, PFF yeah. did their um, plus yeah. 80 grades, and all three of their guys were. Yeah, Tuit, Hargrave, and Hayward are all pretty good. Yep. Hmm. Anybody so the Bengals are. Here? If the Bengals are good, if Billings is good, I think they're still upside with Billings. Yeah, I think if um, Glasgow stays healthy, if Renault Wren develops, even with Atkins being on the back end of his career, this could be a good unit next year. Yeah, and if they sign Gerald McCoy, then they're immediately good. I think they're immediately in the elite range. Immediately elite. 
I mean, that's yeah. that's having two guys that last year, according to PFF, graded around the same as the three guys on Pittsburgh. So are we saying Pittsburgh's elite? I think they're both better pass rushers. Okay. And because of it, it gives you the better part of where it's important. All right. Let me go to linebackers. This group last year was poor, among the worst in the league, along with the offensive line. These were the two sore spots for Cincinnati Bengals fans last year. This year, I think we were all hoping that we would go into the season with a rosier outlook, but the unit is much the same with the addition of Jermaine Pratt and a lot of hopes pinned to Malik Jefferson, another third-round linebacker from last year. Health for the starters, yes. Nick Vigil's been injured. Preston Brown injured last year. And right now, Jordan Evans is your third starter. And, well, you just hope he gets more consistent. Right, and it sounds like the two nickelbackers are going to be Nick Vigil and Preston Brown as of right now. And those are the guys that are going to be out there 95% of the time. The third guy may be out there 40%, 50%, depending on the game, you know, and the game flow, depending on if the Bengals are good or not. And, uh, yeah, do you feel good about Vigil and Brown if those are your two guys for most of the year? Honestly, that's at best average. I Yeah, I was just going to say, you hope that's average. In the past, I mean, Vigil's never quite been average. Preston Brown has been average in his career, I would say, at times. For the most and I think part. we've seen the best of Preston Brown, where I, I still feel like we've the flashes for Vigil could yeah. be average to good. Yeah, we've talked about it with Vigil. We've talked about this a few times. If you missed those podcasts, essentially the summary on Vigil is he's shown everything in in spurts but he hasn't put them all together and so you wonder if he can put them together what is on your head you talking about me paintbrush it is a paintbrush i got paintbrushes all all around me usually joe's painting his temple right now this is also an art desk you ever put a paintbrush on your face it tickles in the right spots so linebackers are probably (laughs) below average uh but you hope they're going to be average yeah, and, and the other guy, we're hoping for Jermaine Pratt, right? I mean, yep. we they, we can't go too far without talking about the only guy they added to this unit. Yeah, uh, well, they added they added uh, Sterling Sheffield as a college free agent, and Deshaun Davis in the sixth round as well. Thanks a lot. All right, and so Jermaine Pratt is the only guy they added. And, and Curtis uh, Aikens and Noah Dawkins. That's right. <laughs> So if he cracks the lineup at some point, whether that even if he's the third guy who only takes, what, 400 snaps, 40% of the snaps this year, that'd be cool. But if he completely replaces Preston Brown down the line, then maybe that's a uh, potential way to upgrade. Maybe he replaces Nick Vigil down the line because Vigil can't stay healthy. So mm-hmm. uh, there is opportunity for improvement, but it's going to be out of guys uh, winning and in, in taking reps rather than – I feel like what's in line for us in 2019. And hopefully a more linebacker-friendly scheme that doesn't ask them to do the things that they were asked to do last year, like covering the entire middle of the field all by themselves. Yes, we don't want that. No. Although, we'll get to them at safety. Uh, I think there's a reason, or not not a good enough reason, but Jesse Bates really good in a split safety uh, defense. Yeah, but that, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't no. really fix what we're talking about. So let's, let's go. What's next? Corners are next corners. Let's do corners. So we got Drake Kirkpatrick, William Jackson, BW Webb, dark Denard, Tony mm-hmm. McRae. And then the, the back end of the cornerback roster is actually really interesting. Yeah. For this battle. It's, it's, it's deep at, you know, cornerbacks, five, four, Maybe. So it's it's Tony McGray, Darius Phillips, Kavari Russell, Devontae Harris, and Jordan Brown. And then there's yeah. one other guy on the roster who's a college free agent, Anthony Chesley. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I need those guys to make the roster, I, I feel like. So it'll definitely be interesting after the first four who make it as the fifth. And if they keep a six, which I think this is lined up for them to keep six this year, yeah. uh, who those last two guys would be. And just going through them, I think William Jackson is good and could potentially be elite, but I think he's more than likely just good as of right now. Uh, I think Drake Kirkpatrick is average. I think Darquez Denard is average. I think largely B.W. Webb has been below average for his career, and maybe sometimes he's average, but I think as a whole I feel comfortable saying below average. So what does that mean for this unit as a whole? I think this is one of the positions we feel really good about on the defense, and then it reminds you that, yeah, the defense wasn't really good, right? We said the D-line now, for the most part, is average, too good. 
And now I think at corner, I'm sitting here saying they're probably average. I think so. And I think this is another position group that you can look around the league and say it's relatively shallow. There aren't very many elite units. There aren't very many good units. I think that most teams are in the average to below average bucket. Because every team needs four corners now, at the least. Mm-hmm. And because of it, there's teams that hoard them and, and collect them. And there's other teams that are like, I'll go with the pass rushers and build and build that unit instead. Uh, there's a kind of a, a blending of safety and corner for some teams. And right now we're at a position, and they, they talked about, the, about this on Good Morning Football, uh, and I was surprised they didn't mention William Jackson because they mentioned about 12 corners. Because there isn't that Richard Sherman or Daryl Revis or Champ Bailey or whoever it's been the last 12 years as that number one guy. I think that's yeah. probably up for grabs right now, and especially because Patrick Peterson is suspended. But well, uh, Stephon Gilmore, though. It's fine with me because, I, I, you know, me, Stephon Gilmore was my man uh, when he came out all that yeah. time ago, eight years ago or whatever it was. But point being, that elite – group is up for grabs i think for by a lot yeah. of players the elite groups right now i would say are new england with stefan gilmore and jason mccourty probably houston with kareem jackson and still jonathan joseph you got to know who that third guy is though right don't we if we're talking well, about this in 2019 if, if those are your top two i think that's enough to make you elite at that position gotcha like if you got two really good receivers you feel whoever the third guy is is going to yeah. get his get his play yeah like when when I can't even think of an example of when two really good receivers are on the same team. There's all, there's the Bengals. What do you mean? Like really, really good, like elite. Are you talking Chad oh, Johnson oh, and Terrell oh. Owens? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about here? Chad and TJ was was no. Chad TJ wasn't elite because he had limitations. Even though he's he was a oh, really was good so slot good. guy. Oh, he was really good. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. But yes, yeah, I know what you're saying. Right. It's hard to have two elite guys at receiver. I don't think that happens often. No. And I think it's the same at corner. Like, you're never going to have three guys. And and maybe through that lens, the Bengals are actually pushing on good because sure. they have average at two, two, three, and maybe average at four and, right. good, at, and good at one. Maybe that's enough. But I think, I think if you just kind of sum it out, it's average plus with with a little bit of if if William Jackson gets to elite territory then we can say they're good because I like the depth too I mean we're considering yeah, depth, depth nice. and we're looking at this yep. and the fact that number five and six are fifth round picks or guys that have at least played for three years in the league in some capacity uh, you know I'm thinking Kavari Russell and Tony McRae at some point they have played in this league mm-hmm. uh, that's not the worst thing in the world and and because of it and those guys may never see the field other than special teams you have to say average plus bordering on good. Yep, I think so. The next group I also think is probably good. I know. This is, this is safety. So Sean Williams, Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, easily good. Sean Williams, probably easily average, average plus. I was going to say average plus, yes. And I think I he's think, really good at what he does. Yeah, and he, and he's not bad deep either. He, he's, he's good. He's good. He's a good safety. Period. He's, he's good. a good safety. So maybe, but but he's never gonna. He, he's not somebody that's on the Pro Bowl radar, which is no. why I say average. He's like a good starter, but in this tier system, that means average. And Jesse Bates is definitely pushing the Pro Bowl this year in my mind. And so putting those two together, I think you've got a good safety group. And I think that that's pretty simple, especially when you look at the backups. Clayton Fedgelin played really well in limited time last year. Um, Brandon Wilson is the other backup, and I don't think we know as much about him. I'm still interested in Brandon Wilson, and for a lot of reasons, because he tested fantastically. He's an elite athlete, but he also was a running back. He was a corner. He was an elite kick returner at Houston. He, in my opinion, still has a lot of upside, and he's only played maybe 100 snaps in his NFL career. Um, I still want to see what he does. If he's the fourth guy in in a special teams kind of staple, I like this unit. I think I would say... Probably how we talked about most of this defense, average, bordering on good very easily. I, I just say good myself. Yeah, I think That's just fine. because it's only two guys and Jesse Bates is good and and Sean Williams is average plus, I think it's good. That's fine with me. And Which means because it's I the like strength this, of the defense. And I feel good about the backups. And at the very least, Fedulum coming in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I think, think now... With the depth at corner, if Darquist Denard's got to go back there and play a little safety, because they've rotated him in some schemes and some designs, I think that'd be interesting too. 
B.W. Webb, I feel like, has also played safety in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised. I would say that there are only a few posi- a few teams that I feel are much better than the Bengals of safety. One of those, again, is New England. Um, Minnesota was. I don't know if they've lost some guys. Honestly, safety might be the... I can name a lot of players on each, each roster. Safety is the one where I feel like five years ago, maybe even five to eight years ago, it was the weakest position in the league. And from there, we've got a turnover of who the best safeties in the league are. Harrison Smith, when you mentioned the Vikings, jumps in my mind. But Derwin James recently, and then the Chargers invest another high pick in a safety. I feel like safety is the one that's really coming, especially yeah. with last year's class, where a lot of good players came came from it. And Bengals were lucky to get Jesse Bates and, and be correct on that one. Um, I feel like we're going to get a turnover in, in who these top safeties in the league are. Last year it was Chicago. Was the cream yep. prop with Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos? Then that's Chicago. We've mentioned a couple times on defense. They lost Amos. Good they, they they lost. Yes, they lost Amos. Minnesota was also really good. Anthony Harris, who played six hundred twenty four right. snaps for them, was actually better than Harrison Smith according to Pro Football Focus last year. Interesting. And they also had Sandejo as a backup, right? And, and he George was serviceable. Aloka. Yeah, Aloka too. Yeah, they have quite a bit back there. New York Jets, led by Jamal Williams. I don't know who their second safety is. I'm just trying to think of who the best they positions are. They drafted um, two safeties in the same year, uh, Jamal Williams and, and oh, my God. Uh, damn, I'm, I'm messing Darryl up. Roberts? Here. No, no, no. No, that's our other guy that played snaps last year. Well, then I, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe he was hurt. No, but their other guy is good. I'm sound like an idiot here because I cannot. <laughs> I'm looking up their depth chart now. Anyway, that, that's probably it for the safety position. Let us know who that guy is once you've thought about it. Let's talk specialists. Oh, yeah, we got to do that, don't we? I mean, briefly. I think this is pretty pretty easy call. Clark Harris, elite. Great hair. Uh, Kevin Huber, Randy Bullock, below average. He seems like a nice guy, too, Clark Harris. He is a nice guy. We've talked about how he's engaging with the fans at training camp. There it is. Marcus May was the other guy they drafted there. So in the first round, they took Jamal Adams, right, in 2017. In the second round, they come back and take Marcus May. There you go. So are we, are we good on kickers, punters, below average, move on? Yes, it is below average. Yeah. Not much to talk about there. And, and it's both guys. What about return men, adding that? Oh, yeah. That? All right. All right. Kickoff Can we return. push it to average? Kickoff return, good. Sure. Punt return, Below average. Below average. Yeah, there's nobody. <laughs> Maybe we keep it at below average. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'd say that taken together it's average, but punt returning, as you've mentioned in the past, is more important. It just happens more often than kick returns at this point in the NFL. So, yeah, yeah average to below average, pending the pending finding a uh, punt returner. Did this exercise make you feel worse about the roster? Actually, it did, which is interesting because some of the other exercises we've done lately – have made me feel better about the roster. And is it the one, comparison to the others in the league where you kind of feel like, okay, as well, a whole, been doing how is that. this unit? I think the reason that this makes us feel worse is because a lot of teams are average or in like, you know, the average plus to below average at a lot of position groups. And so are the Bengals. You know what else made me feel worse about it is realizing the range of outcomes for an entire position group. Yeah, and when, when you, when you accept that, you go, damn, there's a lot of scenarios where they are going to be below average or, you know, in the pessimist in me is saying, well, yeah, it could easily happen where this unit or that unit isn't playing well or they didn't last year. So there's you a know, lot but, of injury history. Like yeah. we, we talked about this and we'll see if it's recurrent, because if injuries are going to come back to bite them this year, the way it did last year, well, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, Cordy Glenn, Billy Price, Oh, uh, John Ross missed time, Andy John Dalton. Ross, Joe Mixon, Gio. Gio um, let's see. Um, uh, Ryan Glasgow, Carl Lawson, Nick Vigil, Preston Brown, the, all the corners. Literally right. all the corners. Like, there's a lot of guys on this team that had lingering injuries last year or went on IR. That's another reason this put safety up to good is I think those are stayed healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly. Fedulum did have to come in a couple times. That's because uh, Sean Williams got ejected in the first game. 
Yeah, but what, what, didn't he also have some, like, head stuff? I thought there was some concussions stuff? back there, yeah. Oh, I don't know. He laid out some, he gave out some concussions. Mm. Yep. Good old concussions. The worst. CTE. We're not celebrating it over here. No. Jake looks very disappointed in me. <laughs> Staring into your soul. <laughs> anyway. That should do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Remember that you can find us, as always, on the Himalaya podcast app, where you can get a nice curated list of podcasts if you need more than Lockdown Bengals to get you through your day. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.